One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, Northampton Town Audio Show, where calling Nen Neen is simply obscene. I'm Tom Reed and tonight I'm joined by a group of guys setting their alarms, ready to wipe the sleep out of their eyes and awaiting the sting of the shaving razor for the derby game v Peterborough. It's Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brunt. How you doing guys, you alright? Yeah, alright mate. Good stuff guys. Andy, how you getting on mate? Is excitement building for the big game on Saturday? Uh, yeah, big time, mate. Yeah, uh, getting pumped up for it. Um, work's beginning to open up again this week. Good stuff, mate. Um, what's your moment of the football week? Uh, well, segueing in nicely, it is um, yeah, l- lucky enough to be be on a, an international match uh, a couple of nights ago, Estonia Lithuania. So uh, you know the big one. And yeah, it was it was Lithuania scoring three goals for the first time in an international in nine years, but they actually won three one. Um, the other night so I was there frantically scrolling back you know on the sort of laptops that you provided in the booth for the last time they scored three and it was uh, yeah it was actually June 2011 so you can never do enough research no matter how much you think you've done isn't it Lithuania where uh, Akin Fenwer had a little sojourn at the uh, beginning of career I'm pretty sure he did he he did play there because I think in one of his kind of interviews about kind of racism and that he's talked about it being a pretty pretty grim place to play as a black guy so are there any lithuania players that we might have heard of andy or are they sort of fairly obscure uh well they've got a, a left-sided player called mikalunias wow. who um who was sent off twice he played in scotland for a bit in the mid-2000s for hearts he won the he won the 2006 scottish cup for for hearts and sort of just having a little little delve into his um his history. He was sent off twice. Uh, it was it showed a red card twice in a match against Rangers in two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Twice. Um, yeah, he barged into a linesman and was red carded. And uh, then you know you can just imagine, um, so, you know, a real hot atmosphere. And um, yeah, and then he had a, then he had a pop at the ref. You know, players came storming over. Um, and yeah, and it was was shown a red card again. Um, as if to say, if you didn't see the first one, you know, it was a double bubble basically. It was that bad. I was going to say that if you get sent off twice, you might as well keep going and get sent off maybe three, four, five times. Go well, this is it. Just double down. Over the head with a tray, is that, you know, is that not go full Dean Windass? Didn't he have one in Scotland where he got shown a ridiculous amount of red cards? He's basically given up and just giving it all to the ref, and the ref kept showing a red card when he was playing for Aberdeen, perhaps. <laughs> that rings a bell. And also, I, I remember an old firm match. It was, I seem to remember vague clips of it, and then a big sort of uh, picture uh, tribute in Match magazine, where there were kind of like four red cards in an old firm game, sort of 1987. Oh, Chris, Do you know what I mean? Chris Woods. Uh, Woods, uh, Richard uh, Goff. I have I have to say one of my guilty pleasures after a few beers getting out of the pub, just sticking YouTube old firm red cards and whichever oh. side you are, and I'm very much of the green and white hooped side, <laughs> you, you will not fail to be entertained by sticking that on for ten minutes. I was going to say that was a big scandal at the time, wasn't it? It was considered what? a really big thing. And I remember the next time they played each other, they made a big point of having the players um, 
warm up together, didn't they? And they were sort of saying, you know, this is they need to kind of stop all this because it's always obviously um, encouraging violence in the stands as well. You know the guy that gets got sent off twice. You were talking about Andy. Uh, it would be funny if he's driving out of the car park and the referee just pops out and gives him a third on his way out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a car window. Take that. Or just gets you know done for speeding when he's driving down the motorway. It's just the ref, you know, that gets out of the uh, police car. Yeah, just, just spirals. But that's a good one. I just I want to find out the players been received the most red cards in one game. There must have been more than two. You know, in South America, I should imagine there's someone who just run. Oh, I reckon. I reckon it's Dean Windass. I don't reckon that's been outdone. Okay, we'll have a look into that. So, Martin, what's your football moment of the week? Mundane again. I think I've done. I think I've gone mundane kind of important and I'll go mundane again okay Sunday afternoon pop down to the Epsom one I'll just check the, the football scores and Spurs three up at three up at United mm. and sent off for half time and as a good laugh for all of us and one of the lads um who scored an amazing amount of goals different Eastern District sides um Blackie Ian Black he said he's a Liverpool fan and I've posted a few things on Facebook. I, I think an umpire signalling six was my favourite for any United fans that hadn't kept up with the score. Huh. And Ian was quite quiet. And he said, well, we've got to play later, so I'm not going to gloat just yet. And sure enough, Villa were out of this world, destroyed Liverpool. <laughs> and that really tickled me. That too, it, was a great week, it was a great weekend for Premier League football. Uh, I thought it was, it was fantastic. I think it's always good when the Premier League scores mix up a bit. There's there's so many um, sort of telegraphed results before the games even started. You know what's going to happen. So those sort of results are always good. But I just want to say, Martin, I swear that you you're being sponsored by the Ecton One Pub. I reckon every time you mention it, you get a free <laughs> pint. Well, you, you could all, you could always Google Ecton Tandoori because there's a fantastic um, curry house out the back. Um, Ian, what's your football moment of the week, mate? Following on from what Martin said, I just I saw um, Gabriel, your your mate who we've had on the podcast before. He was just pointing out, which I think ties into the B team thing, which we're going to talk about later. Like how how many players from that Villa team sort of found their way in the lower leagues? So yeah. you know, Watkins, obviously nurtured by uh, Exeter, Grealish on loan at Notts County, Conza uh, was uh, um, Charlton in, when they were in League One, and then. Uh, Dean Smith, obviously, he, he started off in management at Walsall. You know, it's it's kind of just sort of shows, doesn't it? You can do your grounding in the lower leagues. And, and when you're good enough, it's funny. Uh, Graham Carr, I don't know if you know, as part of the Northamptonshire week, Radio Northampton did last week. He did a Zoom call with some fans. By the way, my, my ultimate moment of the week was probably when, um, obviously, you know, on a Zoom call, I'm sure we're all used to them now, the, 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 the screen, you know, the main screen will cut to whoever's making noise. And obviously it was, it was Oglethorpe interviewing and Graham Carr and um, Helen Blaby from the uh, radio sort of, she was um, uh, like muting people and organising the whole thing. And now and again, they would go over to people who asked a question. But yeah, Carl was in full flow. And next thing, someone's phone rings and it cuts to this, these two really confused looking pensioners <laughs> panicking trying to switch off his mobile. It was absolutely brilliant. But um, one of the um, one of the questions was, um, you know, what what you know, you you've, you've managed the cobblers, you obviously helped a lot of cobblers players on their way and in, in their careers. You know, we said before, haven't we? You pretty much acted as agent for Eddie McGoldrick and Hill, and look at the moves that people like Morley got as well. Um, you've been scouting for for a while now as well. You know, for top clubs, what advice do you give these young lads at the Cobblers who are quite promising? And he basically said, stay at the Cobblers for as long as you can. Make your name, get competitive league football under your belt. Then eventually you'll get your big move. And, you know, that's that's pretty much what Watkins did, wasn't it? Before he went to Villa for big money. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good moment. And of course, when you look at these players that have come through at EFL clubs, you've got to remember that they've actually managed to escape the clutches of the Premier League clubs early on from the Triple P. So they've escaped that. The clubs have managed to bring them into the first team. They've done well, and then they've gone on to even better things. So it's an even sort of bigger achievement, and it just shows you the universality and the interconnectedness of the the whole pyramid, which is really in um in the news at the moment and that's a really good one I, I just I did laugh didn't you say that in your in the zoom call as well um Graham Carr sort of walked up walked off before it even finished 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. He, I don't know where I don't know where he was. He actually was. He was obviously in front of a um, green screen, and they had like a um, uh, uh, like a, a CGI e stand behind oh, him. Oh, why did they do that? Of all the backgrounds, Randy and Northampton could have picked, but yeah, um, towards the end, he he was he was getting up to go. <laughs> he's off yeah. to he's off to scout someone, isn't he? He's off to watch the world feed. I can do well. Watch all well, said, didn't I? Um, Pete Walton. Pete Walton told that really good story, that anecdote about him on Radio Northampton the other night, where he said every game he refed for a while, Carl would be in the crowd and go, "Pete, Pete," and then it was <laughs> Walton was 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 refereeing. Was it um, France under twenty ones against Portugal under twenty ones in? Um, I think it was in Lille, and um, he uh, Walton, I'm here, and, he and Carl was in the crowd then. <laughs> Getting back to the Cobblers v. Hosh theme, which is obviously the burning issue of the week. Uh, my moment of the week is from another one from our little WhatsApp group that just makes me chuckle constantly throughout the week. We were talking a little bit about uh, the, probably the one thing that we can have over the Posh is the seminal 2002, I believe, documentary called Big Ron Manager, whereby... It was a time when the posh were all over the place and we were actually quite a pretty steady club. And it's, you know, it's probably a little bit different now, but I just encourage people to just Google it, put it on YouTube, Big One Manager. There's an episode which focuses on Cobblers v Posh who are in the same league then. If you haven't seen the documentary, it was a strange amalgam of a guy called Steve Bleasdale, who's a, you know, sort of a rookie manager, really, a scouse guy. Uh, Barry Fry being Barry Fry, Jack of all trades in the football club, and they decided to bring Big One manager, Big Tom, One in. For those that don't know, and maybe yeah. younger people than us who hadn't seen Steve Bleasdale, yeah, would he have looked like a scouser? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that be the, the, the curly hair, the moustache. He was Google Harry Enfield. <laughs> if you want, you know, if you can't get this, have a little Google of that, and you get an idea of the guy you're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And um, so these three were, you know, three in a bed. They weren't were the best bedfellows. And there was, a, you know, almost constant undercurrent of tension between the three of them. Big Ron trying to, like, show his, his nails and stuff. And it didn't go very well at all. They were a shambles on and off the pitch at that time. It was just really great watching it at the time with your popcorn. And uh, so there's a game against Cobblers at the local derby. We go to Posh. Um, before the game, Barry Fry decides to do a team talk because Posh aren't playing very well. So my football moment of the week, going back all the way to 2002, is Barry Fry's team talk, which just made me uh, crease up just uh, listening to it. I'll just sort of read out what he said to his team before the game. said this. I I can't really do the uh, sort of Barry Fry voice, but you can get the idea. Um, He said this. As owner and director of football, you could say I'm pretty pissed off. I don't like people's body language. I don't like these cliques. We've lost our way. We're here to help you. We're not here to call you a f***ing useless bastard or a c- We want to get the best out of you. And it just made me laugh so much. Clearly, Barry, that's what you've been calling them, isn't it? You... And he continued. He went, um, he didn't have any f***ing know-how. We look like f***ing rag-arsed rovers. <laughs> don't you love a trip to rag-arsed rovers away? Martin, <laughs> um, aren't, um, aren't Club 81 playing Rugass Rovers next week? I think we're playing their reserves. <laughs> Rugass Rovers B team. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was my football highlight of the week. And the, like I said, the only time when we had one up on the posh, and you know, God knows what would happen if I made a documentary about cobblers. Let's move on to. Uh, to Cobblers and Posh again. It's a the big game on Saturday, even though there's no supporters. And it always gets you know, fans of Northampton and Peterborough going uh, a good derby game. We've been looking at players that have played for both and we tweeted that out to the uh, Twitter followers. And the relationship between Cobblers and Peterborough's fairly incestuous. Players have crossed over county lines quite often. So, um, like Andy, can you think of any that have played for both off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you're going way back when, really. Um, yeah. I mean, Tony Adcock was um, was at both, yeah. wasn't he? Um, yeah. Back in the day, um, absolute legend of a player, one of my favourites. And I mean, again, I might be wrong with this. Was Did Paul Culpin play for both as well? Uh, yes. yes. Yep, he did. He did. Paul Coupling. So, um, <laughs> I... 
I'll just read out a couple of the ones that people have, have tweeted in. There's there's a few good ones. Uh, I'll go. I'll just go for them no particular order uh a guy called harry beautyman who played for us fairly recently and uh has done quite well in non-league i think he he played for both i'm not sure if these are all 100 accurate i haven't really had time to check right, but they there, there, there's your matty warburton comp yeah that's true <laughs> similar sort of except we didn't pay a, a decent bunch of money for beautyman or for, yeah. for warburton rather we we gave him a job what about Trevor Slack? That's going back into the 80s, isn't it? Ooh. You know, I, yeah. I, I remember Slack. He, he seemed to be at Peterborough for quite a while. Yeah, in, I started early to mid-80s, and he solid centre-half at us, as I recall, maybe one year. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a time when you were on the hotel, and there were songs almost for every Peterborough player because <laughs> in the absence of the internet, people had time to, like, make up great songs about Noel Cantwell and... Yeah, Trevor Slack. <laughs> what was Trevor Slack's song then, Mike? Can you repeat it, or was it just too obscene to repeat? I think it might have been, and I may just be imagining this or joining up things that really weren't connected. I think it was Trevor Shite, 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 because they used to sing <laughs> Trevor Slack, Slack, Slack. <laughs> Sounds about right, doesn't it? Sounds or it about... may just have been the thing that if you know, if if twenty twenty Martin went back to being a thirteen year old, he'd have tried to start. <laughs> <laughs> And that came from uh, Leicester GPR11, uh, Gary on Twitter, so thanks for that one, Gary. Uh, Daniel Drage, a bit of a regular contributor to this one. He's gone for Paul Coupling, because that was uh, his suggestion last week as well. He's getting getting good value out of that one. Junie Marias, who yeah. was a good little strike, I thought. He's gone up to Scotland, not pulling up any trees there. But, um, it's done, done worse than not pulling up any trees. I think he's um, he, he's done a really poor job up there. Of... Yeah, I just think it's horses for courses. <laughs> I, I think it's like horses of courses in terms of if he would have stayed with us at that point, he was hitting form. I reckon he would have done well. But when you start transferring him here, there and everywhere, it's hard for him to regain his form. But he, he was quite a, a powerful little player. So I, I, I thought he was all right. And I, yeah, was, I, I did like when he played. I did like it. it, it was, yeah. There's a bit, a little bit there. I'll reel off a couple of strikers. Um, Emile Sinclair. Who, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was he was not very popular as a striker, and I remember seeing him in the stands one time. Uh, he was he wasn't even the squad or whatever. I think I think Waldemar's on the bit. Anyway, he was. Wilder did yeah. It's good, on, it's good on paper, and I remember seeing him in the stand, and it was at half time, and he ate a one of the burgers from the burger thing at half time, and I was thinking, wow, this thing you know very good for a footballer's diet. Mm-hmm. So, um, bloody awful for us, but he, he played two games in the season we stayed up, where he's man of the match, and he probably was as key to keeping us up as Ivan Tony with his his late his late goals right then because there was a game at Torquay he scored twice and we won two one and there was a game against South End at home that we won where he didn't score but he ran them ragged. Yeah, yeah. It was all powered on burgers mine, so you know what I mean. Two burgers and a half time <laughs> Uh so that was from AD Richards who reaches a lot of stuff. So Andrew Walden has gone with, I really lost a few strikers. Andrew Walden has gone for Liam McKenzie, who's very good at his time. And if you read his autobiography, really didn't like uh, Gary Johnson, nor did a lot of people. Uh, Stampy, NTFC has gone for Jason Lee. Uh, poor Mr. Pineapple, played for us for a little bit. Mark Mould, who's very good on the uh, NQNTFC uh, prediction game, he's gone for some good names, actually. Probably set your eyes out a lot a little bit. Uh, Trevor Quo, uh, Bobby oh, Barnes. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so is that another chant is it Martin for Trevor that Quo? was that was yes because you can't do a lot with a single barreled surname yeah so what is it again Quo <laughs> not bad it at all it probably sounded better out of the hotel end than out of Ermen N3 uh, Deborah Marshall has gone for Wakely Gage I think that's been mentioned by you Andy tell us a bit about Wakely Gage either, if anyone remembers him uh, no, I think, yeah, I think it was Martin who mentioned it. Uh, Blonde oh, commanding and nutmeg by Ian Benjamin for um, a quite brilliant goal in the, the away match in 86-87, it would have been. Um, Phil Aegis from the Racing It's Pope. a superb name, isn't it? He's a Cobblers fan, has gone for... He's gone for Wakey Gage as well. He's gone for Seth Nanatul Massey, who I think he was a right-back. He was pretty yeah. good before getting a bad injury. Gabriel Zaccarani, uh, who we who did he play for? Um, we talked about this. Was it the Congo? Was that his guy that played for the uh, Congo? D- uh, um, DRC, yeah, um, the old Zaire, Democratic Republic of Congo. 
DRC. Well, I, I, well, I, I thought it was one of those dodgy third, like third party ownership things. You know, like they found out, you know, like with um, Tevez when they had like other interested parties. Because when yeah. they, they, I thought, who's, who's this sinister Doctor Congo? He's always off to play for every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a James Bond villain, doesn't it? I was just going to say, that's like, straight out of Living Let's Die. Sorry, sorry. Doctor No is busy. I can get you Doctor yeah. Congo. <laughs> Seth, um, Seth Nana, he's fam- I remember his famous Twitter bio where it said formal Chelsea player. So I always had him, uh, an image of him wearing a smart Chelsea club, <laughs> official club blazer. <laughs> so it's almost uh, like they named him on the bench one week, maybe for a, li- a little Woods Cup tie. Yeah. Everyone else has got their number 14 shirt on, their number 12 shirt on. He's turned up in a dinner jacket. Aparino <laughs> <laughs> has said, mate, you're out. <laughs> mate, That's what... made a formal Chelsea player. We need a few more smart players, so I'm I'm back in uh, Mr. Formal Chelsea player stuff. Seth Nana Afori Tramassi, so that's yeah, that's a good good name to commentate on. Right then, let's get to the nitty gritty of previewing Saturday's and then derby between Cobblers and Posh. We're pleased to be joined by James of the Posh Report on Twitter. How you doing, James? Getting those Derby Day nerves yet? Derby Day nerves. Um, probably be getting them more if we could go to the game. It's True. a bit of a weird feeling at the moment, I guess, where you're you. I don't know if you get it. I kind of feel connected. And disconnected at the same time. So yeah, I think when when Saturday rolls around, the excitement will will kick in, even if it is a an iFollow job. I'm the same as you, really. It's just hard to get that connect with the totality of what's going on at the moment because just fans aren't allowed in the stadium. And obviously, we're a derby day. You expect a really good atmosphere, good turnout from both sets of fans. So we haven't got that. But what we have got is a sort of quite an intriguing tussle between you know two teams. Um, both started season fairly sort of patchily, I guess, some wins and some some losses. So I guess that teases in quite nicely to um, your start to the season. How would you sum it up? You've had two wins and two losses. It's been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it? Yeah, it's definitely been a mixed bag. Opening day, played Accrington. They scored two incredible goals outside the area. Some people would say there's not much you can do about that. We'll talk more about tactics later, but the way Posh set up, it does give away a few free shots on the edge of the box. Fleetwood game probably played a little bit worse than the Accrington game, to be honest. And first two games especially, you can see attack-wise, we're really struggling, a bit sloppy. Um, everything was struggling to click. Um, but then the last five minutes against Fleetwoods came to life. They're 1-0 down going into stoppage time. Started piling on the pressure, scored two very similar goals from, from crosses and knockdowns and then half volleys, which threw into the net. But once that Fleetwood goal went in, that first goal, you could see them start to click a bit more. And it was more of a side that finished last season. So some of your viewers may be aware, Posh won a really good run towards you in the last season, playing some really nice attacking football. Took that into the Sunderland game. First 20 minutes against Sunderland played really well. Then after that, it was fairly even. And then Sunderland got something of a fortunate penalty. Posh lost that game 1-0. And then last game against Swindon for do you opening 25 minutes. I can't remember ever watching Posh play so badly. Literally couldn't get out their own half playing so slow, struggling with five-yard passes. Um, could have been three or four nil down. And then interestingly, they changed formation at half-time. So Posh usually been playing the 3-4-1-2, very similar to how you guys set up. Switched to a 4-2-3-1, and it was just a different team and won that game 3-1. So probably a slightly disappointing start. Defensively, you look really, really strong. Not quite click going forward, but there's definitely promising signs. And I'm confident Posh are going to build and be challenging top six by the end of the season. Yeah, I've looked at your squad and it's it's a, it's a talented squad and it might just take a little bit of a... Although I hate to say you've got a talented squad, you have with some really <laughs> good individual talents. I think it would take a while for you to click into gear. And I think, uh, you know, as Cobblers fans, we just hope that you're still you're still trying to find your feet um, this season and we can hit you on the hop a little bit because we do like to go at teams and maybe we can try and pin you back like you, you said in previous games. But um, talk us through your new signings this season. Yeah, so the two headline deals, probably Johnson, Clark Harris and Sammy Smodix. Um, yeah. So both deals were around about a million pounds, just over the million pound mark. Obviously, the big outgoing was Tony, and they've reinvested that money quite well. Clark Harris looked a good signing. He got his first two goals of the season, one from the spot um, and one from open play on Saturday against Swindon. Before that, he'd taken 14 shots, which was the most in the league about scoring. So he was getting a bit of criticism about his finishing from posh fans already, which is kind of ludicrous after three games of the season, right? Um, But definitely starting to prove the doubters wrong. 
real physical target man. Links play really well. Technique's really good. Watch out for his free kicks. He's already hit the bar from one free kick. He's tested the keeper a couple of times. He left foot, he gets really good curl and whip on the ball. Danger from long range. But Posh mainly use him to link play and get Smodix and Dembele into the game, who are really Posh's quick, fast, talented runners. Um, sure. Schmidt again came in from Rovers uh, in January on loan and then it looked like Posh were going to struggle to get a permanent deal in deal done but then t- it became clear that he wasn't going to get a chance at Bristol so I said Rovers in I Bristol City so I <laughs> can't make that mistake can you JCH came from Rovers um, but yeah he's he's come in in January played really really well and then this season he's come in he's looked a little bit short of fitness Hasn't played quite as well um, this season, although he, he, he was one of the few first-team players to play Tuesday night in the EFL Trophy, and he's starting to build that fitness up. So it might be quite bad timing for Northampton to play posh from that point of view, because both their main signings are starting to kick into gear, starting to build that fitness up a little bit. Sure, I think both those players are useful on paper, especially. Um, I was speaking to a Bristol Rovers fan for our previous game and uh, Clark Harris was one that she talked about in high regard and was quite sad that, that he left. So he, he looks good. Smodix has um, comes with a lot of good good reviews and just has all sort of all action player, that skillful player that you probably need at the top end of the pitch. So they're ones we're definitely gonna have to look out. Your manager, Darren Ferguson, he's a bit of a stalwart of the club now, you know, for, for good or bad. Not not every posh fan rates him, I don't think. But what do you think of his impact on the football club and, you know, his his job so far this season? Second how many second time round is it? How many times has he been there? Quite a few times. Third time round. Third time round, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so he's he's quite an interesting one. So he historically has been Posh's most successful ever manager. He's seen three promotions, two of which were to the championship. He has been relegated once with Posh from the championship when they set that record points total. That was in his second spell. In his first spell, he was sacked quite early on into the championship season. As you say, he divides the fan base. He he, he has a preference to play a midfield diamond. And we Posh played a lot in the diamonds, especially towards the first half of last season. And that was really divisive with the fans, especially when results turned. A lot of a lot of fans were starting to actually call for his head, which was a bit far from my point of view. But you can also understand it. He gets criticism for not making enough changes in matches, being too tactically stubborn. And I think previously that was fair. I think this time around he's slightly different in that he will change matches more often. His tactical ideas have developed. You can see a real development and Posh are becoming more fluid in terms of changing their setup in and out of position. And you see that a lot more. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. From my point of view, I think he's a good manager, especially at this level. He has his flaws. Um, but now everyone's really happy with him at the moment because on Saturday, he changed formation at halftime. Posh came back from 1-0 to 3-1 to win. Things started to turn a little bit sour, but since they came back and won that game, Again, fans are fickle, right? And everyone seems quite quite pleased with him at the moment. That's, that seems a, a fair summary from an outsider's perspective. How do you think he's going to line up against Cobblers? Because I know you've looked at our tactics a little bit and stuff. We we play with a, a wing-back system. We have a, like a high-pressing system and we're sort of in-your-face style. How do you think he'll line up on, on Saturday to try and counter our, our threats? So I logged on to Scout, watched about half an hour of you guys, just various clips from the last game. I'm glad you said that you play high press because that was my assumption as well. I think where we're going to look to get success is in transition because I know wingbacks, from my take, it was more of a 3-5-2s and they were more wide midfielders and defenders. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, so I think what I noticed was, and I'm sure what he's noticed is, you do leave a lot of gaps in transition. You leave the three guys back. There's not much support in front of them. I yeah. think he's going to play into Johnson Clark Harris, play off him, get Dembele and Smodix running at the running at the back three. Watch sure. out for Dembele. In my opinion, he's the best player in the league. I think he's going to be a Premier League player soon. Just the way he carries the ball, his balance, his speed. He's he's a scary prospect when he's running at you. Formation-wise, really interesting. Posh have started all the games in the three-four-one-two. Same as same as Northampton. From a defensive point of view, I think he's probably going to stick to that because he will want the three centre-backs to calm back um, the physical threat that you guys pose, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there is a chance Posh might line up in the 4-2-3 when they finished the last game in. 
And if that's the case as an attacking threat, I think Posh would, would probably carry a little bit more in terms of having two players out wide and trying to get in behind. Posh are better when teams press them. When they tend to struggle is when teams sit off and then they really have to work to break them down. And that's when they can get a bit slow and get a bit frustrated. But I think when teams press Posh, they're a, they're a much better team. So I'm hoping you guys do do that for at least at least one more game. It'll be an interesting one to see if Keith Carl does set us up to sit back a little bit and just try and contain the game because with your talent there, there is a potential for, for you know a fairly hefty loss. A lot of our our, our fans are quite worried secretly. But so he could he could go to try and stifle the game, or he could just say, right, we're going to stick to our principles here and uh, do what we do best and try and um you know go all out in the first maybe 25, 30 minutes and try and you know get a goal or two and try and really stun you a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see how Keith Curl manages that let's face it they're two ex- experienced wily characters so it will be a, a clash of tactics and game game management in there so that'd be a really interesting one to to keep an eye on um i'll just i'm just you know i've been worried for a while about keith Curl's wing back system in that we play with a lot of very high, high high attacking wing backs and if you get some um, fast players in behind there that would be my way of unlocking cobblers just stick them on there hit them on the counter and then try and displace uh, our uh, center back three so in a, a derby game a lot of stuff goes out the window so they're often quite tense quite cagey affairs or you know blood and thunder so a lot of the tactics might go out the window in the heat of the battle you never know absolutely i think i think northampton can cause posh problems I mean, I know you said that you thought their start was a bit shaky. From an outsider looking in, I think four points from four games is a solid start, yeah. um, especially given the fact that having, I obviously watched you, or not obviously, but I watched you guys in the playoffs last year. I thought your best players in the playoffs were Vidal Oliver, Morton and Goody, and you've lost those three. Sure. Um, so I think just to be going at a point per game, keeping yourself in what's likely to be a relegation battle, I hope you don't mind me saying that, um, I think yeah. that's been positive. And I think Cobblers, I think you can cause Posh problems. So Posh play uh, on paper, one, two, or three, five, two, same as what you guys do, but they play it quite differently. So out of possession, they'll drop quite deep into a five, two, three. Um, and although there's very little space in behind, if you can go into a target man, if you can play direct and then get midfielders pressing up, just like what Northampton tend to do, looking for those second balls. There can be yeah. a lot of space in that midfield area, especially out wide. Posh can give up a lot of shooting opportunities from that distance. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Northampton score from a second ball in and around the edge of the area, to be honest. I agree with you that I think both managers are going to look, uh, I think there's going to be opportunities in the game. Um, Keith Carr, perhaps, like you say, trying to win those second balls and, and pin you back and Darren Ferguson trying to get in behind our wing bags and probably doing what I just said, actually, in terms of our, mid, uh, our centre-back three are shaky. That was probably our biggest problem in terms of our tactics is the centre-back three, our, our brand new uh, centre-back trio, and they're, uh, they're they're struggling to to find that rhythm. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay on Saturday and when they cross that white line, I guess. Um, moving on to things off the pitch, uh, we talk a little bit on the podcast about owners and stadiums and stuff like that. And you've got a new stadium in, pro- in planning progress, haven't you? How far ahead is that? Yeah, so that's been delayed a little bit from because uh, of the coronavirus, um, but hopefully not too much. Um, so for those of for those of listeners who don't know, Posh sold their current stadium to the council quite a long time ago now and have then been renting it back year on year. Um, so the plan is to buy what what everyone refers to as London Road Stadium. Um, it's technically now the Western Home Stadium, but for the uh, sake of this, let's call it London Road. Um, buy that back and then I assume sell it and then use that money to build a new stadium on the embankment, which isn't too far away, centre of town still. Um, I think the original plan was to open the stadium for the start of the 2022-23 season. I think that's been pushed back to 2023 now. Um, and then they're looking at having a, a starting capacity of 17,500, which is just a little bit more than the current stadium is, uh, rising to 23,000. And the idea is for it very much to be a multi-purpose stadium um, so that they can use it for gigs and whatever else. So they got more revenue coming into the club not just on match day, but from from different events as well. 
I've seen some images of the projected new stadium and it does look quite impressive. It's, it's slightly concerning for us when you look at Luton down the road who are a bit, uh, in the process of uh, designing, you know, pushing through a, a new stadium. I think theirs is a similar capacity to yours. Um, obviously, your stadium with our East stand still unfinished, it does seemed a bit to us like we're being left behind a little bit and kicking on to that next stage um i don't i don't know if we we're planning to you know expand our ground to that sort of level but it just seems um a good a good thing for you to be doing and i think you've modeled it on a stadium from abroad i saw maybe it was, was it one in hungary i don't know but there's a lot of thought gone into your new stadium um yeah seems so a good design. It's, been, it's been modeled on the Grupana arena in budapest if anyone wants yeah. to google that um yeah sort of like a bowl-like stadium uh fans are going to be quite in tight towards the pitch the owners are really big on you know trying to the atmosphere at london road is not always the best i think part of their thinking is trying to build more atmosphere and what they can do to get fans close to the pitch and and build that atmosphere sure in terms of the atmosphere we're, we're still mourning the loss of the moist terrace that got demolished it was a really good away terrace that we used to make a lot of noise on it's just such a shame that's gone but it's um yeah, it's just a, it's just a progress, isn't it? You 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 move on eventually from your in your stadium. Um, let's move on to a score prediction. Um, how do you see the game panning out and eventually you know finishing in terms of its scoreline? Yeah, I think it I think it could go one of two ways. Um, I can very easily see it becoming a real battle, low scoring, one team nicking it either way. Um, yeah. Or or I can see it going the exact other way if there's an early goal. I think, in, uh, especially, I think if if Peterborough score first, I think there's a real chance for the game to open up and, and become quite high high scoring. Uh, Posh's defence has been really really strong so far. Um, they've not given up that many chances. I'd be surprised if if Northampton managed to score more than more than one. But I w- again, wouldn't be surprised if you guys did score. Um, I'm going to go three one Posh, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll disagree with me on that one. Uh, I wish I did actually. I wish I did. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just wary of your your individual talent. You know, in terms of game changes, like game needs game changes, and I'm slightly struggling in our team to find those. Um, depends what team we put out, and you know, with the COVID nineteen situation, the teams and squad seem to change from day by day. So God knows what team we'll have out. But I'm I'm going to go through gritted teeth. I reckon through. I would probably say three one is a is a in a reasonable guess but I'm going to go 3-2 to you guys unfortunately just I think you've got the potential to open up a two goal lead but I think we will go help a lever at some point to try and plug a gap so I reckon we'll we'll bring it back to 3-2 but um, obviously I'd rather it be like 5-1 to us so if, you, if Keith Kerber can pull that out of the bag he'll be like a hero <laughs> for a, the next couple of years or so. What does a Nandabi mean to you because being in Peterborough, you've got a couple of rivals, really. You've got Northampton are probably the old, older rivals, and you've got Cambridge, who are I would call the young pretenders, and uh, you know they're a rival too. So, what, which ones do you dislike most, and would you say most Peterborough fans look forward to the most? I think it depends on your age bracket, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, for reference, I'm 28, so for me, I think the Cambridge derby is the big one. Yeah. I think if you go into the older generation, I think the Northampton one. And the guys coming through now seem to hate MK Dons. I mean, I know everyone does, but I think um, that's been the big rivalry, both in terms of relatively close geographically, but also there's been a number of seasons when Posh have been competing directly against Milton Keynes. Like from our end, we we don't like we don't dis we don't dislike or hate MK Dons. We just pity them really. We pay them quite <laughs> a lot. It's very it's closer to us, I would probably think, than you. Um, but we yeah we just like look down on them to an extent in the way they were formed and stuff. So don't, I wouldn't give them the time of day in that respect. That's one thing we can agree on. But thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, obviously, it's always a bit. Um, frosty uh from the, the two sets of supporters but it's you know it is good to, i think the most the important thing is both clubs need each other to an extent you both you need rivals don't you in football and uh hopefully with all this covid stuff we both we both get out the other end and we're both you know can play each other again in you know better circumstances with supporters in the ground don't you think no i agree completely i mean hopefully in the in the reverse picture i don't know how likely it is but hopefully there'll be fans fans there and uh Maybe we could even meet up for a drink and do a, do a podcast in, in person. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. Well, um, hopefully, obviously, I wish you all the worst on Saturday. 
but we can uh, perhaps exchange notes afterwards. I'm just fingers crossed that we can do something on the day. We need we need that result just for uh, they to pick me up. But you take care of yourself, and um, I'll speak to you soon, mate. And you enjoy the game. See you later. Bye bye. Uh, when we once we do this every week, the Cobbers A to Z. It's actually quite a popular little feature. Ian's not only patented it, he's got his only fans account now. Uh, Mr. Cobbler's fan man, Beacon Bingo. Uh, connoisseur chef he's uh he owns this so don't ever try and copy it especially people from bbc northampton we know you're listening uh <laughs> so we're on to the letter d this week in the cobblers a to z and we ask you basically just to treat anything beginning with d to do with ntfc and we read them out so ian what's your letter d for the cobblers i'm going for alex dyer okay oh, yeah Remember him? Yeah, okay. yeah yeah right alex dyer was responsible for me um, and some other lads getting publicly humiliated. I'll tell you the story. A guy we know got, guy we know got his own business um, and he was a um, match sponsor for, for a game. I can't remember what, level, what tier sponsorship, but I think, I, think he, I think it was, you know, the one where you're on the pitch before the game and everything. So, yeah, we get there. Um, really nice guy, Dave. He'd, he'd put some money in, clearly. Didn't, we didn't get the meal, but we, he did put a lot of money behind the bar. So um, by by kickoff we were absolutely wasted. Um, prior to the match, by the way, when that guy, he's a really nice guy. He used to do the um, like the corporate stuff. I think he moved on to Oxford. Youngish laddie. He, he showed us yeah. around. He said, oh, "We might be a bit late now to have a look at the changing rooms, but um, I will give it a go. We'll give it a go." And we went in there, and they actually they were in there. They, they were in there having the, the t- uh, they were team tour. But they were like pretty much ready. I remember Luke Guthrie just sitting there in shock while my mate Dave tried to do the team talk himself. Like, yeah, come on, lads. They're all thinking, who's this bloke like coming in now? One of the sponsors give us a team talk. <laughs> anyway, anyway, few few points later in in the bar, you know, everyone mocks the prawn sandwich brigade, don't they, for for coming out late at half time and and after the game. When you're in there having a drink and having a chat and everything and they ring the bell to say, you know, teams are coming back out, you've got to finish your pint or whatever. You do kind of shuffle out, out about, you know, three, four minutes after kickoff and you do miss it. So I remember Dyer putting in a decent challenge early on in the first half. I thought, oh, he's, he's doing all right for once, you know, because he didn't really do a lot, did he? I remember him scoring against Notts County when we got when we went 1-0 up but got... Um, Got beat quite quite heavily, but he didn't really do a lot else in his in his time with us. But um, yeah. yeah, so he put this he put this challenge in, and I thought hey, he's having a good game. Anyway, by the end of the game, we're all pretty wasted. We've all had these pints before the game and at half time because Dave's paying, you know. And um, yeah, that that lad, the corporate guy, comes over. Who's your man of the match, guys? Um, it was Hereford at home. We we got destroyed. It was freezing. There was a quite a small attendance. Um, which I think Bayo had scored. We should have just said, "Yeah, Bayo." You know, would have got to meet Bayo in the um, in the lounge afterwards. But I said, "I was, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, Dyer. He put in a good challenge." And all the others all jumped on it. Yeah, Dyer, Dyer. The corporate blokes going, "You sure? Are you sure?" <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, yeah. Stick to our guns. Let's be clever. Let's be, you know, let's not go for the obvious choice. Let's just yeah. show a bit of." So they read it out over the um, over the you know the PA. The whole West Stand's like, what? All grumbling, <laughs> laughter. It wasn't, it wasn't, and I think they might have even played that clip back on Radio Northampton the next day. I heard Oglethorpe and Jeff Doyle arguing about it on air. And I think, I think to be fair to, I think to be fair to, to, to Doyle, I think he was defending us. He was going, but the Cobblers played so badly, Tim. The, they had to pick somebody. It was oh, it was just shocking. So in the in the you know the the bar in the lounge afterwards, um, when Alex had to come and get his um, bottle of champagne, even he was embarrassed and he was just like, <laughs> "Why am I here?" <laughs> but do you know what, Ian? I think you're a bit of a visionary. Do you know why? Because uh, he. He left Northampton. I'm just looking at his career now. He left Northampton and he went to, he had a bit, you know, he struggled a little bit. He went to Wealdstone, Welling United. And then he went to Ostersunds, Sweden. I don't know if uh, yeah. Ryan Gilligan worked his magic. So he went to uh, Ostersunds, <laughs> played quite a, a lot of games for them, 85 games. And then he transferred, and this is getting into um, 
Andy's territory. He went to Elfsborg, who I believe are not a bad team in Sweden or Norway or somewhere. And then and then he was signed, he loaned to Lillestrøm, who aren't a bad t- uh, side in uh, Norway. And so he had a bit of a bit of a renaissance after leaving Cobblers. So I think you, you saw something in him that maybe his manager did then. And uh, a couple of yeah. a couple of fans. So you can pat yourself on that one. Yeah, commentators. Now we knew we had we knew we had it in him. Alex Dyer was a good one. Have you got one, Andy? My main D was um, was going to be Dave Bowen, obviously, uh, way before my time, but um, yeah. an absolute Northampton legend. And um, I think I'm right in saying the only Cobblers player to ever have captained, or well, will ever captain a team in a World Cup quarterfinal. Um, because yeah. Dave, Dave Bowen was skipper of the Welsh in 58 in Sweden. Um, and there's a lovely photo, which um, I put up quite recently. Might have been earlier today. All the days blend into one at the moment, don't they? Um, but yeah, of him and um, Bellini, the Brazilian skipper, before their quarterfinal in 1958. He was never present in that tournament. Um, and then, yeah, looking down his career, sort of comes back. And then a year later, he's back at the Cobblers for his second spell. And then, of course, you know took over the managerial reins for that that ridiculous um, sort of rise in the 60s so I mean what a guy clearly what a guy yeah uh, absolute heavyweight name when you talk about Northampton yeah let's read out a couple of ones from our tweeter our tweeters and quite a few good ones we've got Scott Desborough I don't know if that's his name because that's quite a local surname um might just be from Desborough He's gone for uh, Chris Doig in the time he decided the St. John stretcher bearers were too slow. 2006 v Millwall. Got a vague memory of that. I think he was trying to G them up because they were just taking an age, weren't they, to get the guy off the pit or come and get the guy. <laughs> he, grabbed, he grabbed it and ran on the pitch with it. Yeah. I think uh, St. John's ambulance are always slow and that's just part of, the, <laughs> just part of their role. Uh, Ross Spokes has gone for David Buchanan, who's a, you know, a bit of a... Still at the football club, left back for a long time. Championship season. Uh, Alex Butcher has gone for Derry Felton, who was uh, famous or infamous for uh, his wheelchair pitch invasion. That was a, just a great moment when he came on the on the pitch in his uh, electric wheelchair and just a very sort of yeah endearing and beautiful moment. That was a good moment. I remember that one. Uh, Cobblers Brazil has gone for Sean Deitch, who yeah has been starting talking about hedge funds recently, so he's not in my good books. We'll let him off few years time uh deborah marsh has gone for the duck boards on the cricket side did anyone ever stand on those because i was mostly in the hotel end on the family enclosure did anyone go down the cricket side i I had one game there i think the chester game that should have been our last home game i think it was late getting a ticket and i end up on there and it it felt a bit weird (laughs) yeah what about you ian have you been on there no, I used to. I always. We, it's funny seeing the um, that that vintage program with Peter Beardley holding the ID cards when that was a Thatcher thing, wasn't it? Because um, mm. I remember we had ID cards for the um, cricket side, but I didn't go on the duck boards. I remember my dad always used to go. You got room for a little one, and then push me to the front. Like everyone used to have to make way, so I stood right behind the um, the advertising board. Yeah, never yeah, it didn't have a roof, did it? So if it rained, you just got wet. With no, it. It, was, it was just like it was just like watching Club 81 play. You were just stood by the side of a pitch, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get no duck boards at Lingswood Park, I can assure That's you. Mark Josiah's gone for Jason Dazelle, who uh, Ian Atkins is fairly sort of okay with saying that maybe you should have put him on a bit earlier and put him on in the uh, losing playoff final at Wembley. Uh, he's a good one. Alex Wells, I can't even read out his Twitter thing, it's so long, but Alex Wells, he's gone for uh, Kenny Duca, the good doctor, good player uh, from Scotland, always on uh, Soccer soccer Saturday, name to conjure with. Uh, Grumpy Greyhead's gone for Darren Harmon, talk about him quite a lot, local lads. Um, A.D. Richards has gone for a good one, uh, going way back to the 18, uh, 19th century, 1800s. Pat Darnell, the originator of Northampton Town Football Club. What did you do, Pat? Could you just not have done it and saved us a lot of grief over the years? So, Pat Darnell, yeah, you know. Oh, well, which pub on the Welly Road was it where that happened, supposedly? Was it the I Crown? think it was Urban Tiger, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I have in my head it's the Crown and Cushion, but I could be wrong. What is it? Because it was it wasn't it called the Princess Victoria then, and it I was I try and work out what it is now. Ah, oh, was it the Princess Royal, which would be 
was Talarex and then became oh, what is it now on the corner? Um, yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those ones, isn't it? Um, Andy, Andy Roberts might know, mightn't he? Well, hell, if we finally ever get together for a beer, we'll just do the Welly Road, and we will have done it at some point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we we do, we do all of them just to make sure. Good idea, Matt. <laughs> Daniel Drage has gone for quite a few. I'll just reel these off real quick. Dave Longhurst, who we've talked about before, yeah, bless him. Of course. Uh, yeah. Good player, you know, died too young. Darren Collins, he's called him a £3,000 bargain. Uh, yes, David Scope, was. another £3,000 bargain. So between David Scope and Collins, we've got two players of 6000 Bit of a bargain. Andy Bodfish, don't know if anyone knows him. This fella called Andy Bodfish. He's uh, always tweeting about uh, soiling himself in general. He, uh, Andy's treated us... Yeah, he's um, a beaut. <laughs> Ad, oh, yeah, no one's out of Andy. But Andy's treated us... Uh, <laughs> Dino from Dusseldorf. Andy, can you explain this? Because I was confused. Like, it's Dean Thomas, isn't it? Is that right? He signed from Fortuna. Dino. Um, Yeah, because uh, I was just quite taken with the fact that, again, that was just middle of the the peak, peak cobbler's era for me when I was going week in, week out. You said everything about everyone down there. And yeah, Dean Thomas came in from Fortuna Dusseldorf. Wow. In the summer of 88. And they, they played at the uh, the Rhine Stadium in Dusseldorf, where England got, got beat, got tonked by Van Basten's hat-trick that summer in Euro 88. And plus he had a lovely moustache. So he became he became one of my favourite players for, um, I think it was only there a year or two years. Um, but I think I'd mentioned him before. Um, and another D, Deb the DJ. Um, she mentioned a penalty that he took I mean I would have been there at the game I think it was against Notts County so it would have been season 98-99 that he <laughs> he hit he hit it too well basically and it, it cleared it cleared the hotel end roof um <laughs> you know and probably landed around Peacock Place or something um, um but I, I don't actually remember that but um I can well imagine it because he had a fearsome left foot on him and yeah he was just a bit of a bit of a cult hero in my sort of 12, 13-year-old brain. I, a good, good bit of scouting for this case. He scouted him over there in Dusseldorf, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I think Steve Thompson is a great, is, is a great shout. He, he had that season when he when he signed. I remember, us, I think he broke, because he'd shoot from long range. He had a wonderful yes. left foot on him. And he'd always have these shots that just go over or the keeper tip over. And you're like, it was, it felt like it was forever until I think we played Wolves at home and we did Wolves. Yeah, go on. Yeah. And he scored. Finally, that shot he kept taking went in and yeah. it was brilliant. <laughs> it, it was from wide out, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was from wide out. I'm actually thinking on the right-hand side. It's Again, the, the memory messes. But um, I remember that goal big time. 3-1 win. Yeah, and I think their keeper think, messed one up and got a load of stick as well. But and, yeah. oh, and, and God, naming all the goals, naming the goal scorers in a game in the nineties. Wayne Williams, fullback, yes. he miss hit across <laughs> and it just dropped in. Wayne Williams, what a name! We'll keep that for the W's when we finally get to that. I'm going to keep that in the memory <laughs> bank. Double W. I, I assume someone reasonable scored the, the other goal. But <laughs> Steve Ball played against us seven times, yeah, never scored. That's right. Ah, that's a bit of a fact. And um, I and I don't think there was any other lower league club that would have happened to. Yeah, they were. Uh, he was a great was a, shout. Great, a great scorer in his day. Um, yeah. So Dean Thomas always rings a few. You know, he gets a few football hipster points for coming from Fortuna Dusseldorf. I don't think we signed many players from them. So yeah, he's he's a very good one. Thanks for everyone for tweeting in the Cobbers A to Z stuff. We'll get some really good answers each week. So that's really good. We'll move on to E next week. There's quite a few for that, hopefully. Um, let's let's wrap up now. We've been talking for a little bit. Cobblers v Posh on Saturday. A uh, big derby, no matter it's supporters there or not. I'm just going to wrap up by talking a little bit about um, one Cobblers game from back in the day. Quite an infamous one. Read a few people tweeting about it. It was actually 13th of April 1974, which was the Battle of Abington Park. Now, when you talk about the Battle of Abington Park and um, 
you, you just imagine this was something that's been made up or whatever, some sort of like folk myth or whatever. But no, but it actually happened. I was speaking to an old school Cobblers fan who was uh, there at the time. You know, I can't say whether he joined in or not, but um, there was basically a lot of trouble at the game and uh, before and after the game. And after the game, there was a big sort of row with a lot of people in Abington Park, a lot of park, a lot of youths, so from 1974. So I'll just read you a little, little excerpt of this, what happened uh, from the local paper. 1974. Uh, it said 44 youths, mostly teenagers, will appeal before Northampton Borough magistrates tomorrow following the Battle of Abington Park. It already had a name like two days later, in which two policemen were hurt. A pitch battle involving hundreds of youths raged for nearly an hour after Saturday's Cobblers v Peterborough match at the county ground, which attracted more than 11,000 spectators. Uh, spasmodic ch- clashes between rival gangs of youths broke out in Abington Avenue in the ground before the match, but these were quickly quelled by police and comparative peace ran during the match, which Peterborough won 1 0. But pent-up emotions erupted into greater violence after the match and hundreds of youth converged in Abington Park for what was some of the ugliest scenes ever seen in Northampton. Uh, it was like a It was like a battle scene from a film where everyone converged to carry out personal duels. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> but apparently this actually happened. And my friend I was speaking to from back in the day was there in those days. Um, he said that people were fighting around the bandstand in the park. Can you imagine it? Like, all these people were trying to have a day out. <laughs> the bandstand and all these people in there. Zombies have gone over else. Well, you said a bit about personal duels. I'm yeah. just seeing a posh fan get on his horse with his lance and a cobbler's <laughs> fan with his claret lance at the other end. <laughs> Put up your well, jukes. I, I challenge you, you would have seen the comment as well from your man Ralph, who said that to... Yeah. A bit like Mick Dundee um, in that classic 80s flick. I mean, he was saying that he witnessed, um, you know, it just wasn't ending. So a bloke went to his car and got out a samurai sword. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, just, out? Time, please, I've, gentlemen. I read that. That's, that's not a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll read it. out his tweet, actually. He said, um, I just turned 14. This is Ralph, uh, a long-standing Cobblers fan. Uh, just turned 13, too small to get involved, so watched it unfold. He carried on down the welly road. A posh fan who was there told me a few years back, he was down the welly. They'd taken a constant beating, so he got a samurai sword from his vehicle to bring things to art. <laughs> oh, man, that, that were different days. <laughs> he was like, yes, I'm going to take this to the level. Yeah, the just in case, <laughs> you know, just in case I need to break up a bout, bout of Midlands hooliganism, officer. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been cooler, though, if he'd have had all the armour? as well <laughs> <laughs> that would have changed the dynamic uh, well like his proper samurai he was just wait there a minute I've got to put on my shoulder pads as well. any thug can have a samurai sword anyone you know I'll, I'll look at I've got a baseball bat next to me uh, of course anyone, wait, no, baseball no. but wear the gear and it looks like you're serious and samurai that's right at the top of the league <laughs> so so yeah so when um People have been trying to talk a little bit this week in the medium stuff about what what the Cobblers P Peterborough sort of derby means and where it comes from, and it, it it just basically comes from years of grief between supporters and violent, non-violent, just playing each other a lot, their local dynamic, and it's just it just ingrained into our history. So as young fan Cobblers fans, people of our vintage, well, we were sort of bred to dislike or hate hate Peterborough just. As part of our being, it was just something that we had to do. And I, I think sort of summing up that one thing all Northamptonians Northampton, can have in common is hating the posh, isn't it? I think that's one thing we could all agree on and sort of unite on. I think that's, uh, that's a nice nice thing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, guys, let's, um, let's wrap up for tonight. We're going to uh, see how we get on this weekend. It's going to be a difficult game, but um, you know, hopefully we can get at least a draw out of it. But thanks for talking and we'll all chat soon. See you later. Great podcast. Yes, Tom. The posh. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.